your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 330 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And the Rangers earlier tonight, in fact, just a couple of minutes ago, concluded what can only be described as a very disappointing 5-2 loss at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I wouldn't go quite as far as some people are going on social media. I mean, there's a lot of people uh, talking about how this was just awful, this was dreadful, fire this guy, fire that guy. You guys know how it gets on social media. I wouldn't go so far as to say this was like a god-awful, miserable performance by the Rangers, but I will say it was not good, and the best way that I can put it, it just wasn't enough. This, whatever the Rangers brought to the rink tonight, it was never going to be enough to beat this Pittsburgh Penguins team. You got to figure the Penguins were going to come out hard in this game. They were going to come out ready to play. They have lost two in a row. They were pretty much embarrassed by the Rangers two nights ago on Tuesday night in an 8-4 to four loss, and you had to figure that they were going to come out and put their best foot forward here and basically storm out of the starting blocks, and that's exactly what happened. The Penguins got the jump on the Rangers right from uh, the word go to start this game here, and the Rangers never really recovered. I mean, they did get a game-tying goal, but then, uh, you know, the same thing that's been a problem for the Rangers for so often recently reared its ugly head again. The Rangers, once again, had some issues uh, during shifts after goals were scored, and it, at that moment in the game, the Pittsburgh Penguins took a 2-1 to lead after the Rangers had just tied it, and that was that. The Penguins led the rest of the way. And in a nutshell, I mean, the Penguins, they were the faster team. They were stronger on the puck. They were more opportunistic. Uh, they just seemed to be more focused. And again, would I call this just a dreadful performance by the Rangers? No, I would not go that far. But it's one of those games where they just could not find that extra gear. The Penguins, pretty much all night, were operating a gear or two above the Rangers, and that's just not going to get the job done. You know, the Rangers, I don't think they're as good of a team right now as the Pittsburgh Penguins overall. So if you just kind of lag behind them and you're a step slower than them the entire night, this is what's going to happen. It's going to end up being a loss. And it's just disappointing because this was a huge opportunity for the Rangers to get two points. Uh, if the Rangers would have won this game, it'd be nine points out of the last possible 10. And, you know, you're starting to uh, maybe gear up for a late season playoff run here. Alas, it was not meant to be. But I did want to uh, kind of get into the line combinations, talk about this a little bit. Brett Howden was back in the lineup, which, I mean, okay, first of all, Let's be happy that he's back from, uh, you know, being on the COVID list. Obviously, we don't want that to happen to anybody. And this was Brett Howden's first game since March 20th. But I'm just still struggling to figure out why the Rangers put Brett Howden into the lineup over guys like Julian Gauthier and especially Phil DiGiuseppe. And in a game tonight where I think we can all agree that the Rangers, they just didn't have that little extra jump in their game. Uh, they just couldn't find that spark to really get them rolling. And like we talked about, they just couldn't quite find that fifth gear and I think, you know, if you have Phil DiGiuseppe out there, and look, I'm not going to say that Brett Howden being active is what causes the Rangers to lose this game. And, you know, if Phil DiGiuseppe was there, the Rangers would have won this game 5-2 instead of losing it 5-2. But I will say that in a game where the Rangers were trying to find a spark, maybe somebody like Phil DiGiuseppe who goes out there, who plays aggressive, who throws his weight around, who delivers some big hits, maybe 
possibly he could have gotten you going a little bit. What is Brett Howden going to do to get you going? And I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm really not trying to pile on Brett Howden. I realize he's become a very easy target for Ranger fans over these last couple of years and especially this season, but I just don't get it. I don't get the fixation with the Rangers feeling like they need him in the lineup and why they feel like they need him in the lineup over guys like Phil DiGiuseppe and Julian Gauthier. But again, it's small potatoes compared to everything else in this game. I don't think Brett Howden being in the lineup exactly made or broke the Rangers in this game here tonight. As for the line combinations, you had Mika centering Kreider and Buchnevich. You had Strom centering Panarin and Colin Blackwell getting a start on the second line, although it wasn't too long before they kind of flip-flopped him and Vitaly Kravtsov. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. The third line was the kid line, Filipito centering Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco. And then the fourth line, you had Brett Howden centering Kevin Rooney and Vitaly Kravtsov. As far as the Rangers kind of flip-flopping Blackwell and Kravtsov, I get why they did it. I mean, Kravtsov is the big prospect. He's somebody that you want to try to get going a little bit if you're the Rangers. What better way to do that than to put him out there for some time with Panarin and Strom? But I don't necessarily know that this was the game to do it simply because I think Colin Blackwell might have been the best player on the ice for the New York Rangers in this game. I mean, outside of maybe Igor Sesterkin and, of course, you know, comparing goalies and skaters is kind of like apples and oranges. Uh, Adam Fox is very good in this game as well. I mean, it's just another night at the office for him, but show me a forward that played better in this game than Colin Blackwell. He scored a goal, was very opportunistic, seemed to have that spring in his step in this game here tonight that a lot of the other Rangers, for one reason or another, just seemed to be lacking. So, you know, the of all the games to do this, to flip-flop the two of them, and I do want to see Krasov in a top-nine role. I do want that to happen eventually, and right now there is a little bit of a logjam. It's kind of hard to make that happen. I don't know who else you drop down if you don't drop down Colin Blackwell, but if you're going to start Krasov on the fourth line in this game, don't then demote Blackwell to the fourth line in a game where he's probably your best forward out there. So that I really didn't understand. I suppose it's just a case of wanting to get Kravtsov going and wanting to give him a chance to, uh, you know, play with some of the Rangers' biggest scoring threats. I also thought this was a bit of a rough night for the New York Ranger defenseman, and the tone was set kind of early as it pertains to that, and we're going to get into all that in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Watch our trade deadline show Monday, April 12th at noon Eastern time at Locked On Live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and the Odyssey app. It's the only place to get in-the-moment reactions and analysis to the biggest NHL deadline moves from local experts covering their teams. Follow at Locked On Live today to watch the Locked On NHL live trade deadline show. 
So I mentioned that I thought it was kind of a tough night for the Ranger Blue Liners, and I'm going to cite a couple of specific examples, but just in general, I thought there were way too many times in this game where the Penguins, you know, there was a long stretch pass through the neutral zone, and the next thing you knew, uh, somebody on the Penguins was going in pretty much uh, for a breakaway, or at least a partial breakaway, against Igor Shesterka, and Igor really saved their bacon on a couple of occasions in this game. Uh, just too many, uh, too many breakaways, too many breakaways, too many instances of guys on the Penguins getting behind these Ranger defensemen, but the tone was kind of set early in this game. There was an instance where Keandre Miller, who, again, I think he's been very, very good this season, and Jacob Trubin, I think he's had a good season as well. The two of them were out there, and this was just not a good sequence. Uh, Miller, he had the puck behind the Ranger net, and a couple of Penguins came in hard on the forecheck. Miller kind of tries to avoid them, and eventually he moves the puck over to his right to Jacob Truba. Truba was also behind the goal line, but Truba somehow, he deflected the puck in front of the net. And it almost looked like he was like passing to somebody on the Penguins. But basically, somehow the puck just deflected off of Truba, goes in front of the net. The Penguins had a couple of point-blank shots against Igor Shesterkin, but he stoned them. So that was obviously a big couple of saves there by Igor Shesterkin. And then there was just a couple of minutes after this, a long stretch pass to Zahorna. And he goes in up the right side. And Lieber Hayek is there. It looked like he had good enough position that he could have tried to at least body Zahorna away from the net or tried to knock the puck away from something. But for whatever reason, just wasn't able to really slow Zahorna down at all. And of course, Zahorna goes straight to the net, puts the puck past Igor Shesterkin, and the Penguins have a one to nothing lead, 6-26 into the first period. And again, Libor Hayek, you know, I think overall this season, uh, he's in a much better place this year than he was last year. Last year, there were times where I thought maybe it looked like he was in over his head a little bit. I have not gotten that impression at all this season. But in this case, yeah, I, I think uh, Hayek probably could have and probably even should have uh, disrupted Zahorna's path to the net at least a little bit. And then not too long after this, Jacob Truba takes a penalty for slashing. Didn't really seem necessary. I mean, granted, the puck was at least in the Rangers' zone, so it wasn't like one of those uh, dreadful offensive zone penalties or anything like that. But, you know, the puck was along the boards, and he basically just slashed this guy. The next thing you know, the Penguins are on the power play. Now, this is where the theme of the Rangers' missing opportunities really kind of began on this night because, as we talked about, Penguins are a man up and the Rangers are shorthanded, and they get an excellent opportunity. Uh, Mika Zibanejad steals the puck, moves up the ice on the left side, passes to his right to Pavel Buchnevich. It's basically a two-on-one, and Buchnevich delays for just a second, passes it back to Zibanejad, and Zibanejad missed a completely wide-open net on this play. Now, in his slight defense, it was a bit of a sharp angle, but I think Mika Zibanejad will be the first guy on this plan to tell you that he's got to bury that one. Uh, you know, not completely easy, not like an obvious tap-in goal, but it's one that I think that he probably could have and should have buried and just was not able to do so in this sequence here. That would have been a big goal for the Rangers, obviously, uh, getting right back in the game and scoring shorthanded, which is always a little bit of a blow to uh, the opposing team giving up a shorthanded goal. And while we're talking about Ranger missed opportunities, we might as well get into the other two that, to me, really kind of stood out in this game. And we'll go with the less egregious of the two first, and then we'll go to the most egregious. And anybody who watched this game already knows the one that I'm talking about when I say the most egregious missed opportunity. I don't think anyone missing this game could have possibly missed this. But first of all, you had Chris Kreider earning a penalty shot. And this happened when the Penguins were up 3-1. to one. The Penguins really kind of had all the momentum at this point in the game. Kreider got behind the defense, got hooked down from behind, and the ref absolutely had to call a penalty shot on this one. He was clearly behind the defense, clearly going in unimpeded to the goalie, and you get the penalty shot as a result. But Kreider, unfortunately, uh, not able to convert kind of went in, went to his right a little bit, moved back to his left, made a couple moves with the puck, uh, getting in close, but Jerry just kind of stayed with him all the way, and Kreider was unable to convert. Uh, I'm not going to kill Kreider here. I mean, listen, you're not going to score 
you're going to score on less than half of your penalty shot or shootout opportunities. That's just the nature of the beast. And I think Jerry had a pretty nice night for the Penguins overall. But the problem here was that, you know, watching this, watching Kreider go in here, and maybe I'm alone in this. You guys can let me know what you thought about this. I just didn't really get the impression that Kreider was going to score on this. I don't know. For one reason or another, he just didn't necessarily look all that dangerous to me going in one-on-one with the goalie here. And, uh, you know, as we saw, he was not able to convert, and the Penguins remain up 3-1. to one. So the Rangers miss a chance for a spark there. And then the opportunity that it's still, like, I didn't even really see or notice anything that happened in the five minutes that happened after this instance because I was just so in disbelief that Philip Heedle could not hit a wide-open net. And again, I like Heedle. I don't want to come on here and just, you know, kill players on the Rangers, but I just I was just in disbelief that he could miss a net that was this wide open. I mean, so first of all, great play by Capo Caco. You've got Tristan Jerry handling the puck, and, you know, Caco's bearing in on him pretty fast, and I think Jerry was kind of surprised how fast Caco got on him, and Caco basically just steals the puck right away from Jerry. Jerry is completely out of his net, and Caco, you know, as he steals the puck, his momentum is kind of taking him behind the goal line into the corner a little bit, but he dishes back to Philip Heedle, who is right there in the slot. I mean, even if the goalie was in perfect position, and Philip Heedle received a pass uh, at this spot in the ice, you'd think that it's probably going to be a goal. And the fact that, you know, the, the goalie wasn't even there and there was nothing in front of him, I, I just, I, I don't know how Philip Heedle missed the net on this. It, it's one of those things that, like, you or me could have scored on this one. And again, I don't want to kill Heedle. I mean, I, I know he didn't do it on purpose. And maybe, you know, maybe what it was, he had so much open net that he didn't even know what to do. I mean, these guys are so wired to try to, you know, snipe one of the corners or try to go five hole. And, I mean, I don't know, maybe the net was so wide open that he just missed it. I I, I don't know. I have no explanation for this one. Uh, it's just a, a an obvious missed opportunity and was just kind of indicative for how this game went for the Rangers in this game here tonight. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I know a lot of Ranger fans are still kind of on Vitaly Krasov watch right now, so I figured I could just kind of share his stats uh, at the end of the game here. He ended up with an even plus minus rating. He had two shots on goal, one takeaway. 
12 minutes and 15 seconds of time on the ice, uh, no time on either the power play or penalty kill, and he actually ended up with more ice time than four different Ranger forwards. Those were Alexi Lafreniere, Kevin Rooney, Brett Howden, and Philip Heedle. And, you know, Kravtsov, again, you know, I, I thought he looked all right. I thought it was interesting to see him kind of mix in with Panarin and Strom, although I've already said my piece about how I don't know that this was the night to drop Colin Blackwell from the second line to the fourth line, especially when you consider that he was probably the Rangers' best forward on the ice. But there was one play that really impressed me from Kravtsov that I wanted to kind of single out here, and that happened in the first period. Basically, he got control of the puck in the Rangers' zone and kind of went from coast to coast. You know, he exploded through the neutral zone, gained the blue line, and, uh, you know, just kind of uh, dumped the puck deep. The Rangers kept the puck in. They maintained possession for a while. The Penguins end up taking a penalty, and so the Rangers got in the power play there while they were still trailing one to nothing. And, I mean, you can tell that Krasov is definitely still kind of getting acclimated to the speed of the game at the NHL level, but you are seeing a flash here and a flash there, and the guy can flat-out fly. I mean, that's one thing that has been on display at least a couple of times uh, through these first three games here. On this play, I mean, he absolutely exploded from his own zone into the Penguins' zone, so uh, that's obviously great to see as well. We've talked about how Colin Blackwell was arguably the best Ranger forward on the ice on this night for the Rangers, so we might as well go ahead and talk about his goal, uh, specifically a power play goal early in the second period. And this looked like it was going to be the moment where the Rangers uh, kind of found their game, kind of woke up a little bit. Alas, it was obviously not meant to be, but there was a situation with the Rangers on the man advantage. Uh, Capo Caco maintaining possession behind the goal line. He passes back to Keandre Miller on the point. Miller immediately back to Kako in the right face-off circle, and then Kako dishes in deep down to Pavel Buchnevich. Buchnevich has the puck uh, basically right on the goal line there, and he passes into the slot to Colin Blackwell, and Colin Blackwell just lets it rip, and again, scores his 11th goal of the season, which I I've said this, I've kind of made this joke a couple times in the past, but that's about 10 more goals than we thought we were going to get out of Colin Blackwell this season, and you know, we talked about coming into the year. Who's going to be this year's Ryan Lindgren? And I realize they play different positions, but the point, the, the comparison there is Ryan Lindgren, nobody was really talking about him going into last season. He was just kind of there, uh, somebody who would be in the mix. You know, if there were some injuries or some bad play, maybe Ryan Lindgren could eventually mix in there. But he got a chance, took the bull by the horns, never looked back. And now, I mean, Ryan Lindgren has to be in the lineup night in and night out and certainly will be for the Rangers for the foreseeable future. But I feel like that is Colin Blackwell this season. I almost feel bad because, you know, the Rangers in the offseason, they kind of had like a little flurry of very small free agent signings, guys that you're not really uh, necessarily all that excited about, but guys that are there to kind of, uh, you know, give you a little bit more depth, guys that might be ticketed to play for the Hartford Wolfpack, guys that might be on the taxi squad. And I thought Colin Blackwell was simply just going to be one of those guys, just kind of a warm body and somebody that you could throw in on any given night, just put on the fourth line and, and hope that he doesn't screw anything up, basically. Because, you know, he's 27 years old and coming into the season, he only played 33 career games. So I thought Colin Blackwell was right there with, you know, Johnny Brodzinski and Anthony Potato and Anthony Greco. And when the Rangers signed Blackwell in the offseason, I probably only talked about him for about two or three minutes. And again, I kind of feel bad about that at this point. But in my defense, there was no way to see this coming. There was no way to know that Colin Blackwell, A, would ever even see the ice for this Ranger team, and B, would produce at the level that he's producing. Uh, becoming a very valuable member of this team, this guy with a lot of speed, he seems to convert on his scoring opportunities, which has been something of a problem for the Rangers as a team this year, finishing those, those good chances that they get. 
and somebody who, again, you can move up and down and all around this lineup. Even when he moved down to the fourth line in this game, he still was one of the better players out there. He almost scored again later in the game. He moved in hard up the right side and just put a shot off the post. But, I mean, Colin Blackwell, there was no way to see this coming at all, at least with Lindgren. I mean, we knew the guy was a former second-round pick, and he was still very young, and you know maybe he could come in and overachieve. There's almost no explanation for how good uh, Colin Blackwell has been for this Ranger team this season. We got a fight between Brennan Smith and Sam Lafferty getting late in the second period. It's funny because the two of them almost kind of got into it early in the game. In fact, they did get into it, but they just didn't end up getting to drop the gloves and getting into a real fight, and they both ended up going to the penalty box in that instance. But then later in the game, you know, there was a face-off in the Ranger zone, and I guess they just decided that it was time to fight proper, and that's indeed what they did. Some pretty crazy haymakers being thrown during this fight. I would definitely... Uh, give the edge to Brandon Smith. I think he won by decision. Uh, but the bottom line, Brandon Smith trying to do what he can to fire his team up a little bit. Again, they were down 3-1 to one at that point in the game. But for whatever reason, again, you know, this has kind of been a theme of this entire episode, and it was a theme of the entire game on this night. The Rangers just could not find that fifth gear. And apparently, I didn't see this, but I heard the announcers talking about it as Brandon Smith, because when this fight happened late in the second period, there were less than five minutes to go in the second, so Smith wasn't going to go to the penalty box. He was going to go straight to the locker room. And apparently, as he was uh, you know, passing by his teammates, he kind of yelled to them a little bit, not necessarily in a mean way or a demeaning way or anything like that, but just in a way about, like, come on, guys, let's go. Let's wake up a little bit. And, um, you know, again, the Rangers, there were little spurts here and there, but for the most part, uh, the Rangers just could not match the gear that the Penguins had in this game. And that was just, again, just the theme of the night. We already talked about how the Rangers tied the game at 1-1 early in the second period, only to then have the Penguins take a 2-1 lead on the very next shift. And we've talked about this recently, how the Rangers are not having good enough shifts after a goal is scored. And it seems to mostly happen after they themselves, the Rangers, score. I mean, I think it's been a little bit of both. But for the most part, I think the biggest issue is that when the Rangers score a goal, for one reason or another, they just don't come out flying on that very next shift. And after you score a goal, it, that's not your cue to take a break. you got to keep going, especially against a veteran uh, team like this. And I just hope that at this point, because I think this has become enough of a trend where the Rangers are clearly not at their best. I, I think that's how... The best way we can put it, that's how I can charitably explain it on here, is that the Rangers simply have not been at their best on the shift after a goal is scored. So I hope it's getting to the point where the Ranger coaching staff is aware of this and that they're addressing this and that they're trying to figure out what should our approach be after a goal is scored. Is there a certain line that we can go to? Maybe you go to the fourth line, especially if Phil DiGiuseppe is active, but you go to the fourth line thinking that they can go out there and kind of bang around against the boards a little bit make life difficult on the opposing skill players for the Penguins or whatever team the Rangers might happen to be playing on that night. But this has to get better. You know, you cannot score a goal and then take the next shift off, or this is what's going to happen, especially against a veteran team like the Penguins, who probably know that that next shift after a goal is scored is extremely important. And we saw that come to fruition in this game. The Rangers were a little bit flat after they scored. The Penguins came out flying and the Penguins score a goal. They go up two to one and they lead the rest of the way. And it happened again a little bit later in this game. The Penguins scored about midway through the third period to make the score four to one at that time. And I mean, at this point, the Penguins are starting to pull away a little bit, but you still have a chance if you're the Rangers, you're down by three goals with about 10 minutes to go. It's not impossible. It, you know, you can score three goals in 10 minutes. You'll never convince me that something like that is impossible. And the Rangers, once again, immediately after the puck dropped, following the goal that made it 4-1 to Penguins. Another bad shift, and they just let the Penguins storm right in, storm right to the net, and almost get another goal. It was a fantastic skate save by Igor Shesterkin. He was moving to his right, kind of kicked out his left pad, 
back in the opposite direction and prevent the puck from going in. So had he not made that save, it's 5-1 at that point, and at that juncture in the game, you're pretty much getting to game, set, match. I mean, it's never over till it's over, but down by four goals at that point and going by how the Rangers had played in the game up to that point, yeah, that's going to be an extremely daunting task coming back from a deficit like that at that juncture of the game. One last thing I want to talk about here before we call it a night is part two of Henrik Lundqvist's sit-down interview with Kevin Weeks. We discussed part one of his interview in our most recent episode. You guys can go back and check that out if you'd like. But today, we're going to talk about part two. Part three has also been released, uh, but there's just so much going on right now, and there was so much to talk about in this game, and we've got the trade deadline coming up and all that stuff. So I think for right now, we'll just focus in on part two of the interview, and then at a future date, we will talk about part three of the interview, probably after the trade deadline has come and gone because we're going to have our hands full with that over this weekend, I'm sure. But yes, getting into part two of this sit-down interview that Henrik Lundqvist did with Kevin Weeks here. In part one, he mentioned that he kind of had to be in an unfamiliar situation because going in to get his open-heart surgery, it was completely out of his control. It was all in the hands of you know specialists and experts and doctors, and he's not used to that. He's used to being an NHL goalie, going through the grind of being a professional athlete, going through all the prep work that it takes to be a successful NHL goalie, and he kind of had to give that up. But then he also mentioned that he felt like he kind of got back control of his life when he was leaving the hospital. And for a while there, while he was still in the hospital, he actually had to use a walker in the aftermath of the surgery. I was not aware of that, but I suppose it makes sense. Again, I am not a doctor, but somebody performs open-heart surgery on you, you might slow you down a little bit. That's my best assumption on the entire situation. But they showed a picture of Lundqvist using a walker, and he talked about how it was initially a challenge just to walk 10 or 12 feet with the walker. And then he progressed in the hospital and he was sort of, uh, you know, doing a lap or two around the floor of the hospital and just kind of, you know, walking a little bit further and further every single day. And then they showed a video. It was like a selfie video uh, that Lundqvist apparently must have taken after he got out of the hospital because he was basically just walking around his apartment and he joked in the video that, oh, it's time to work out. I'm going to work out by walking around my apartment. And so, you know, nice to see that he had kind of a sense of humor about it. Obviously, seemed to be in good spirits. But then they showed a video of him back in the gym and, you know, going through all the routines uh, with dumbbells, everything else, the whole nine yards, and obviously starting to feel a little bit better. He asked his doctors if it was okay to be back on the ice because he was feeling good. And Kevin Weeks asked him how many days after the surgery it was when Lundqvist asked the doctors if he could get back on the ice. And Lundqvist said he thinks it was about 45 days. So that's pretty crazy. You get open-heart surgery, 45 days later, he's back in net, and the doctors were checking his heart rate, making sure everything was okay. But there he was, six weeks after the surgery, rocking the goalie pads, facing some shots. It's just awesome to see. Uh, Weeks also mentioned that he saw Lundqvist, I guess on social media. I don't know if it's Twitter or Instagram or whatever it might have been. But Lundqvist posted a video of himself when he was going back to the rink for the first time, loading his goalie gear into the car en route to, you know, obviously going to the arena. And Weeks joked during this interview that he asked Lundqvist when he saw this video, where are you, man? I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to see you play. And, uh, you know, Hank said at that point it was basically back to normal. Uh, Weeks asked him how he feels overall as far as, you know, hockey is concerned. And Lundqvist mentioned that he feels like he's kind of in August or September mode, which under normal circumstances is right before the season starts. The season typically begins in early October. So I guess Henrik Lundqvist kind of feels like he's in preseason mode at this time. Uh, He mentioned that he's still got some more tests coming up and that those tests and, you know, the doctors, the opinion of all these experts and all these specialists, 
that's going to be what determines his future as it pertains to hockey. But he said he still loves the game, still loves to practice, still loves the grind of being an NHL goalie. And then Weeks asked him about, you know, winning the Stanley Cup and, and perhaps still wanting to, maybe that's the thing that's really driving him the most. And Lundqvist acknowledged that it's definitely still one of the reasons why he's still so driven to play and why he would like to continue playing hockey. He also acknowledged that his desire to win the Stanley Cup is why he signed with the Washington Capitals in this offseason. He said if he gets the chance, he'll put everything he has into it, just like he always has. And then, you know, Weeks also asks him this, and I thought this was a really interesting question as well. He asked Lundqvist, you know, if you're able to come back to hockey, are you going to accept just about any role that you have with a hockey team? And Lundqvist said, you know, at this point, being part of a team, competing and helping in any way you can is special. And it was interesting to hear him say that because it's it's one of the first and only times I think I can ever remember Henrik Lundqvist being asked that question and not immediately saying that he wants to be the starter, or at the very least that he wants to get a chance to compete for the starting goalie job. And I'm sure that's still the case. If Henrik Lundqvist goes through all this and comes back and continues to play hockey in the NHL, I'm sure he would love to be the starting goalie on a great team like the Washington Capitals. But it does sound like, and I don't want to say he's resigned to the fact, but he's just more accepting of the fact that, you know, it could be in a backup role. It could be in a limited role. It could be a timeshare. Uh, It sounds like, And maybe this experience has something to do with it. Again, I'm not Henrik Lundqvist's psychologist or anything like that, but maybe going through all this and, you know, just going through the scariness of needing open heart surgery and to the point where hockey is so much on the back burner. I mean, your your health and your safety and your happiness come before all of that. But maybe this entire experience, you know, he just figures at this point, you know what, if I get to play hockey on any team in any role, then I'm going to be very, very happy with that. And look, you know, I've talked about this before in the past, but if he somehow rejoins the Capitals, they go on to win the Stanley Cup, and he's in a backup role. I've always said this, everybody's name goes onto that Stanley Cup in the same font, and everybody gets to raise that Stanley Cup over their heads. So, you know, again, health is first. We've mentioned that in the last episode. I'll continue to mention that going forward. Health, safety, and happiness come before hockey. But Ranger fans can dream, and I think the ultimate dream for a Ranger fan is to see Henrik Lundqvist uh, somehow, some way, lift that Stanley Cup over his head uh, before it's all said and done. But that was pretty much it for part two of this interview with Henrik Lundqvist. And as we talked about, we will get into part three at a future date. I think we're going to have our hands full with uh, you know everything that happens on Friday. The Rangers playing the Islanders. They're also playing the Islanders on Sunday. And then we've got the trade deadline on Monday. But we will eventually circle back to this, work our way back to it, and talk about part three of uh, Henrik Lundqvist's really revealing, really interesting interview with Kevin Weeks on the NHL Network. Kevin Weeks doing a great job, too, by the way, you know, asking these questions and uh, getting some very revealing answers from Henrik Lundqvist. But that's going to pretty much do it for tonight, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.